2: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So, Cody, your mouth is chewing. You're chewing a chocolate. You can't even speak because you've got a chocolate. I'll fight through this. Don't doubt me.
1: You've got a chocolate. Did you say a Milky Way? little bite-sized milky way sometimes i just find them laying around the house i got no willpower if i run into bite-sized milky ways you know what i'm talking about the little ones not the oh, yeah not the not the inch and a half ones the like three quarter of an inch ones yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, I the ones three. that are just like you have to have three of them because right yeah one one's, of
2: them just one's a waste of energy really and you've got a dip in your mouth at
1: the same time. How's that Put a going? big dip in right before. It's not going good because the, the dip and the milk. Those flavors flavor, don't work together? The flavor is actually really good. It's the. Uh... There, you're oh. on to something. No, maybe. We would need to form a different delivery method of the flavors. Because this yes. is not a good.
2: It's not good right now. I'm all right. I'm going to make it. Well- you're gonna make it. Well, good. Well, we are. Um, we're certainly in. Uh, you know, I'm not in Mississippi today. I'm in Georgia today. You're still in Colorado, Ryan. Where are you? I'm in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, man. We're are we're, we're we're covering you know geographically pretty diverse regions of the United States, right? We're all over. Um, Ryan Furrer, welcome to the Blood Origins podcast, my man.
0: Thank the you. Roundup.
2: Yeah, I made a roundup. And, uh, and um, you have the uh, distinct honor and distinct pleasure of only receiving the articles about 15 minutes ago from Cody. <laughs> I just sped read through – sped read, is that a word? I was
3: speed reading my way through them
2: uh, in about, yeah, 12 minutes there I had. Yeah, Cody was on the ball for this roundup podcast. Cody uh, he
3: Bryant. was eating Milky Ways and chewing dips. So.
1: Hey, listen, also – we're at the uh we. It's been snowing here since uh, four o'clock yesterday afternoon. Hmm. We're at about, I would say we're probably at my house. We're probably pushing twenty inches right now. Oh and, wow! And my snow plows broke. Oh. So it's been a day. I mean, not that that had anything to do with me not sending you the roundup stuff yesterday when I was supposed to.
2: <laughs>
1: but. You know, yeah. I'm looking for some sympathy
2: points. I guess that's fine. No worries. Don't you have three boys in the house? Those are you essentially your your snow plows.
1: Yeah, I know. And a lot of people say that to me. Look, my personal driveway is about 700 yards, and then I'm responsible for me and the neighbors are responsible for two and a half miles of private road. This is not a hey boys, grab a snow shovel, we're going to work type deal.
2: Mm. Um. Aren't you trying to
1: get in shape, though, at the same time? So, come on. yeah. What's I going talk on? about that, but it's, there's no real dedication to it. <laughs> that's, that's how I do it, too. I feel like the more I talk about
3: it, the better off I am. It, I read somewhere along the line, like when you talk about stuff, it, re- it releases endorphins in your brain. Right. And almost gives you the same feeling, at least for a little bit, Till you look in the mirror anyway. Yeah. It's like if you want to buy a car, you know, you say you talk about buying a car, and it releases – and endorphins for a while and you feel okay and then you get over the, the actual impulse of buying a car.
2: Well Ryan why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the Blood Origins audience, uh, who you are, what you do, uh, and uh, you can give us a, a presentation audibly of the essay of an email that you sent Cody and I. <laughs>
3: an essay of an email. Yeah, you know, that's
2: solid. It what... that was a solid email. It was a solid email.
3: It it got my wheels spinning and I do some of my best work when my wheels are spinning. Um, So yeah, Ryan Fjord from Southwest PA. Uh, I currently work in the gas field. So in the oil and gas industry, but, uh, and I've been there for about two years, but the last two years is the first time in my 45 years that I've not worked in the hunting or the outdoor arena of some sort. So um, I still dabble a little bit here and there. I'm writing and I podcast a little bit and so forth, but uh, yeah, that's me. and um, it's been a few weeks I guess since I read the email or a month maybe, but uh, that that flame has has simmered a little bit <laughs> over time. <laughs> but I've been um, I' still I'm still on the bandwagon a little bit, I guess. I've come full circle. You know, I used to work for in conservation for a nonprofit. So, man, I really can offer some insight from both sides. I think from both perspectives, I do know what makes the machine tick, if they will. So, yeah. What makes the machine tick, then, Ryan? Money makes all the machines tick, really. Um, you know, I guess if your listeners, your listeners don't, I'm sure they've not seen my email, but. What spurred my email was obviously the, not obviously, um, I say obviously, as in everybody probably listening to this has heard about it, but Matt Rinella's stance on the R3 recruitment and the crowded trailheads and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we don't need new hunters. You know, you people are crazy. And there there was a time when I was working in conservation um, that I was, you know, not only pushing r3 but man i was carrying a flag and you know uh, i have i would have argued uh with matt Ranella tooth and nail about r3 and you know why we need hunters and then when i left the space and i start really thinking about it and you know man i can kind of see his point like he made some good points i think some of it was Maybe a little bit selfish, or maybe he didn't word it the way he wanted to, but I understand to a degree where he's coming from. So I'll say that with I don't necessarily at all think we should stop trying to recruit new hunters, but I also think we need to be honest with ourselves and say, you know, okay, how many hunters or, mm-hmm. you know, how much money, you know, mm-hmm. when you're in that space. From the nonprofit standpoint or from the state agency standpoint, they just say, We need more hunters. We need more hunters. Okay. Well, how many? We're at, let's say, 12 million right now. And as a nation, we topped out at 16 million. So we are 4 million off.
2: And, yeah. I think we're at that number right now. Kobe. Is that what if it you, is? I think we're at like 15.5 with the with yeah. the COVID pandemic and whatnot. we're at 15.5. Yeah, we're almost like to, in record numbers.
1: You wouldn't be able to say we're there like on a trending, like on a, on a 10 year chart it looks weird um but the last 2 years we have gotten back to essentially the max level of numbers it doesn't it doesn't uh it doesn't work out to a percentage of population as high as we've ever been but sheer numbers wise we're within a couple hundred thousand of as high as we've ever been
3: right and that's my big point you know you go back to when did we top out at 16 million? Wasn't that somewhere in the mid 40s or right after World War II? <clears throat> you know, yeah, I want to say in the
1: 50s and 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In right. the, so the, the 60s was when that. But I don't think right after World War II things. There's not a lot of data actually um, from back then, but the mid late 60s, early 70s, we were at that 16 million mark.
3: Right. So the landscape has changed dramatically uh, since then to now. And especially, you know, east of the Mississippi River. And and that was kind of like my big, cons- my, not my big argument, but, you know, when we're talking, as Matt Ranella's point, talking elk hunters or any any big game animals west of the Mississippi and the Rockies, you're talking a smaller percentage of license cells. We're looking at overall license cells, overall hunters, and predominantly that's taking place east of the Mississippi, in Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Maryland, Pennsylvania. You know, those are the big key states. And we're, as you say, you know, statistically, we don't have, uh, the population has increased. Uh, the hunter numbers, if you say, are coming back up. But there's just not any room. And I mean, I can tell you when I say room, like, hey, there's a spot to hunt. I mean, it's just getting crowded and the quality of the hunt is is going down. It really is. So we're we're spending a lot of resources creating new hunters and doing that. We're taking them hunting predominantly on public ground, and if it's private ground, then it's limited access. Right? It's not something like you're creating a new hunter and saying, "Oh, and now that I've created you, here's 250 acres you can hunt, or 25 acres even at, at your will." So if it's private land, then it's limited access, and then they're forced to find their own spot or go public land. And I can tell you with certainty, uh, the quality of the hunt you're not going to you're not going to sustain create new hunters and sustain them taking them the first week of gun season in Pennsylvania on public land. Um, you're not. I have a really good friend who's an, you know, I would label him as a super avid bow hunter. He's a really good bow hunter. And I don't know, five years ago or so, he kind of got on the the public land bandwagon where, you know, he just really wanted to challenge himself. And I talked to him, <laughs> I remember it was Halloween this year. We were at a Halloween party. And from October 4th or 5th, the opening day of PA bow season to halloween he saw five deer (laughs) the month of october bow hunting uh and then he you know after into november i think he ended up seeing like 17 or something but my point is you're gonna have a really hard time keeping a newbie's attention you know Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. so i just think as we're worried about conservation as we're worried about uh, developing new hunters, as I said, we should, we also, you know, like, is that the money best spent? Like, is there something else we should be worried about first? I think it should be a number. Well, how many, or how much money do we need? What, what does it take to sustain us? Those are numbers you never hear throwing out. You just hear, we need more more more. Well, are, are we falling short? And I know we are, I mean, I know state agencies are, but you know, maybe we have to look at cutbacks. I mean, it only stands to reason with, with, uh, Infrastructure growing that we're going to be losing hunters, I would think. So it only stands the reason that you know uh, that trend would probably trend downwards. I'm I'm curious to see. them um, and and also get your thoughts on the next five years. You know, I think the pandemic has probably had quite the boost in stirring up hunter numbers. Wouldn't you think, yeah, it'll
2: be it'll be interesting. Um, it'll certainly, you know you know, how long is this sort of pandemic hangover um, in terms of the the license sales numbers? Um, I I certainly agree that we are losing public access. I don't think that the amount of public land that is accessible is what it was five years ago. Um, But there's also counter to that, you know, I don't know the statistics, but there's also opportunities that are being opened up all the time too that we didn't have before on millions of acres uh so it's it it is an interesting um sort of back and forth what do you think cody i i don't like
1: why do we why do we need more hunters like and i'm i'm saying that knowing that i know some of the answers i mean i i I could answer that question both ways, okay? But that, that's my question for you two right now. And then I'll tell you what I think based off that. Why do we need more hunters?
2: We need more hunters because of the
1: voice that it brings to keeping who we are alive. Okay. Hold on. Let me, let me, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but let me address that real quick. Can we accomplish that? By educating the non-hunting public better. Yes. Okay. And so give me another reason that doesn't have to do with padding any. And listen, I love capitalism and I love the free market. Right. So I have zero argument with, I want Johnny Morris to just keep making money. I want everyone involved to have the most success in the world. But I think. For the sake of of what we do, the wildlife and the habitat, I also don't give a shit if they make another dollar, right? Like, I I don't want them to go broke and I hope they make a bunch of money, but that is not a reason for us to do anything wrapped around our legislation, how our tax dollars are spent, how our conservation dollars are spent, is whether or not they get more customers. So that's out the window. I think that we can... In some ways, not completely, we can't, but I think that educating the non-hunting public, if that was our focus, if we didn't have an R3 movement that was using money, but we had a cool acronym for educate the non-hunting public, that that would help us more at the ballot box and also produce some new hunters as a side effect. As a side effect, if our goal was to, was to teach the non-hunting public, I, just, I say this a lot on this podcast, but we look at people in three groups as hunters, anti-hunters, and non-hunters. And non-hunters, somewhere around 80-85% of the general public, right? That they're not anti-hunters, they just don't think about hunting. And if we, if our focus, if our plight was to educate them, we would get more hunters. A whole bunch of them would be like, well, shit. I didn't know that. I want to try it. But there's a
3: statistic out there somewhere, and Robbie, you may know this, but isn't it upwards of 80% of the non-hunting public approve of hunting?
2: 86% approve of uh, hunting for meat.
3: Hunting for meat. Right. So... I I like where Cody's going with that as far as educating the non-hunting public, but that's another argument or at least something that gets me scratching my head when we say we need, like you read social media and, uh, you you know, you can pick any topic that's posted about hunting on social media and you get to the con the comment section and there's an argument and then you go about 10 comments below that. And somebody says, You know, we need to stop arguing amongst ourselves because, you know, we need all the support we can get right now. There's enough people out there trying to attack us. And that is a very loose and general term, I think. And I think it's almost a crutch. Um, We should all get along. Well, first off, that's not how humans are wired. We don't ever all get along. And argument's good. I mean, look what's going on around us right now in the country. Argument brings out the best of us, sometimes the worst, but at least gets us, most of the time, gets you thinking a different way. You know, so I I, I, I scratch my head a little bit when they say, when you know that 86% of the non-hunting public approves of hunting for meat, I would assume that trophy hunting has went statistically way down in the last five years or 10 years, even if if you would know that statistic, do you know that how many people claim that they hunt strictly for trophies anymore?
2: No, I don't think that I don't, I've never seen that statistic.
3: I haven't either, but I'm just, you know, if you take the temperature of the hunting world, you know, I just don't know if that stuff happens on the regular, like it used to. I mean, it's it's certainly done and especially in Africa, but I, I think it's becoming less.
1: that's 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 not the flip side of that statistic though what you're what you're saying there the flip side of that statistic is predator hunting trapping those types of things it's not it's not hunting for meat versus trophy hunting because in the united states you can't well and and in africa as well no one is just a no one just takes the horns right there's different motivations don't get me wrong but you can't leave the meat in the United States it's against the law. It's not waste. The flip side of that, that 86% is a number that a lot of people use to, to kind of claim that the world is with us. You take that same number on predator hunting, and I don't have it. I don't have the number. It's way lower than that. because they Well, trophy hunting is at 36%. So you can imagine really? it's
2: probably lower than – trophy hunting acceptance – on the last Fish and Wildlife Service Survey, which I think is either 2016 or 2018, I believe it's actually 2016, 16 um, is 36% acceptance of trophy hunting. So I would assume to predator hunting is probably lower than that.
1: And we take that – we, we as a hunting community are bad at looking at that 86% number and going, oh, the world's with us. But, but the Humane Society of the United States has looked at that number, and that's why they don't attack – deer hunting they don't attack elk hunting they don't attack they attack lion hunting they attack coyote hunting they attack bobcat hunting because they looked at that number and hunters rest on that number and the general public doesn't understand the need and the necessity and conservation for predator control the general public doesn't understand that the. and I'm, I'm not insulting their intelligence i'm saying all they're getting is HSUS telling us us horrible trophy hunters are out chasing mountain lions just because we're bloodthirsty murderers of cats. And and it, it's not the case. It's probably, it's it's at least as important in conservation to do that predator control in a lot of places. I can guarantee you at my house it is, that it's more important to do that predator control um, the, the, than it is to keep mule deer in check, and that's the part we don't explain to them well. Um, and that's the part that I think, if we went out to folks and said, "Hey, we're, we're, we're not we're not killing these cats because we because we're just bloodthirsty cat killers. We like it. We enjoy the pursuit, but at the same time, we're actively looking." at the number of cats in an area and what that ecosystem can handle. And biologists are assigning us a quota to go keep them in check. It's real science working together to make the ecosystem healthy. And that 36% of trophy hunting, all of a sudden, you know, the flip side of that is 64% against us on that. Um, That's a number, I think, that if you took our $3, and committed a messaging plan to communicate to that to that 64 that doesn't like the trophy hunting of predators um i think you'd get more hunters but i think you'd really start winning the ballot measures that we're fighting our asses off to win right now to protect hunting that's my thought but you're not you're not saying here that we shouldn't recruit hunters when you
2: ask the question like what's the point of new hunters It's just, there's a
1: balance here, right? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know that I, that I, if, if I do, if I think we should have. And all of this is going to get into semantics, right? Like I would love it if R3 was titled help a new hunter. I'm horrible at naming things. It needs a better name than that. But if there was a program for someone that wanted to do it, That they had a super quick send a text and there was help there for them. Right? But I'm not sure that the idea of going out and getting new people that didn't have an interest to come and do it should be our focus. I think it should be educating them. Some of them will come if they decide they like it. But I don't wanna go to my neighbor down the road that doesn't hunt and, and try to talk them into it. I, I don't like that. I, I, don't, I don't like that. I would gladly at my... But that's not what R3 is. R3 is not... Kind of exactly Brian, what, you know what the Berlin. word recruit means, though, right? Yeah, but it's one of
2: three pillars. Right. It's not like you're actively out there like an army recruiter, you know, saying, come and sign up. Brian, right? Yeah. You tell me. You're in it.
3: Right. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, uh, retain, reactivate
2: and recruit.
3: Um, you know, I think the big, I think when state agencies started pushing the the panic button or they didn't push it, but they were at least hovering over it is there was a study out there that when you started looking at age demographics, the average age of the, of the American deer hunter, when that 2016 survey came out was somewhere around 55 years old. So, and then research showed that there was a hard stop at 70. Not that when you turn 70, you stop hunting, but you know, you just stopped on a lot of things in general, you get older. And even if you are hunting, you're not spending the money like you once were, you know, you, you have a lifetime of supplies, you have guns and bows and bullets and, you know, all the equipment you need and everything that's funded through the Pittman Robertson type stuff. So the tax dollars aren't there. So that's when they started hovering and that's why the R3 was invented as far as retain and reactivate and then recruit. So, We were losing hunters on the retaining side. The number one reason was access. And, you know, I fight with myself over that. You know, I have private land. I've had leases. I mean, you know, the first thing you do when you find a decent hunting spot is you like to retain the access solely to yourself. So you're limiting yourself to, you know, just for you and you're shutting everybody else off. So that's a huge issue. What That's a really big issue for me is, again, back to we're going to create all these hunters that are going to have nowhere to go. Um, the reactivate, those are the ones that used to hunt and for whatever reason stopped. Um, you know, most of the reason is the same reason is access, lack of place to go. And, uh, you know, the recruitment one, man, I go, it's extremely expensive. I was, you know, immersed in it and, you know, I can tell you, you know, some of the simple numbers, but, you know, we were spending, I mean, literally, a million dollars to create when I say create to take about 2000 people hunting, you know, so are we creating a new hunter or are we taking them hunting? We're putting them through the program. Um, and they want to be hunters, but big game hunting a is a huge responsibility. And when they're doing it with you, it's even an undertaking that may be too much for them, but we take them hunting one time and then we turn them loose on their own. Even if they have a place to hunt, once they kill an animal, that becomes a big responsibility that a lot of them don't know how to, they don't know what to do, and it makes them fear. They're fearful of that, right? Mm-hmm. So I used to argue, it's why we have small game, and small game is a social event, you know, in the duck blind, squirrels, rabbit hunting, you know, my buddy has beagles. I mean, that is a fun time. It's very less intimidating, and it's a lot easier to gain access when you're squirrel hunting rather than knocking on a door and trying to take a deer hunt um so you know i I don't know what the magic answer is i think one of the things i've kind of touched on and jotted down and i'm actually writing an article about it now when we talk about i i interviewed some people over it and how much are you really doing any i see. are, are you making any headway when you hear and you read especially on social media to reach out to your local congressman or your politician and have your voices heard like You know, I I ask I have a friend of mine that's in Congress, and I ask him like, how much time of your time is dedicated? You know, he tries to answer every phone call and every email, but how much time is really dedicated to, let's just say, conservation? Or when Bubba the Hunter calls him up and says, "I'm a voter in your district. I don't like what's going on. I want to see a change." He makes a mental note of that, right? But honestly, in the grand grand scheme of things. It's a very small piece of the pie. Um, And what, according to him and a lot of others, what you're seeing is there's less and less people like you and I who come from a hunting background, a hunting community, getting in politics. Because we we know what it's all about. We want nothing to do with it. But that's a problem, right? If we don't have more people like... Robbies and Cody's that are willing to enter into politics and deal with all the other bullshit that comes along with it, and focus on what's there, then you're going to end up with somebody who cares maybe a little bit. They'll at least listen to you, but it's not what they're there for, right? And as we get older and less and less people, we're losing hunters, so we're less and less people are getting involved. We're going to have more and more of those type people who have been so hands off from hunting fishing and all things outdoors entering into politics and especially in states in the new england states like new jersey connecticut you know all up through that way i mean back in my old days i traveled up through there i met with i I worked with all of those state agencies i know of a state agency that had a biologist on staff who was an anti-hunter he was an anti-hunter on staff as a wildlife biologist for a state agency because they didn't have anybody to choose from I mean, he was willing to take the job.
1: So, mm-hmm. talk about a conflict of interest. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's back up to the, to the calling your legislator. Because, in, in your example, where, where one Bubba calls his reg, legislator, you're right. But the, the, the thought process is dead wrong if we can get 50 to call or if we can get 500 to call. That becomes real to him. And there isn't a state representative in the nation who isn't going to pay attention to 500 combined calls and emails because that's 500 votes. It's 500 votes. And and we have seen that. I mean, I I promise you, like hands on, we've seen it work, emails and phone calls, sponsors dropping off of bills, People going all the way from sponsoring bills to saying this bill is not ready to be law. We should not do it. And it was driven by, I I can tell you this, right? I'll never be a politician. There isn't, the the three of us don't know enough people that know enough people that have enough money to pay me to be a politician. But I will make my politician's life miserable if he doesn't listen to me and and me, me and my gang. Right? Um, and, and it, it, it's a, you're right that that one person, if just one person calls about this bill to end this or start this, that's a blip on that, on that, on that legislator's radar. But if 50 call, he's going to pay attention. And if 500 call, he's going to have a meeting with us. Right. Um, and to me. I don't know how we get more hunting based people in politics. I will tell you that I've had this long running fear of what happens if the, if the biologist or even more so probably the law enforcement officers, the game wardens, um, you know, anti hunters start getting into that role. That that's something that's made me think for a long time. Um, at the same time I've yet to find one and I've hunted in 40 plus States. Um, you know I've found some remember I've found some assholes. you know I found some guys I didn't, I didn't that 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 and I've never gotten a violation from one of them ever. It's not because I was breaking the law. There's some of them that got some egos, but I've never found one that was anti hunting or was against what I was doing. I'm sure there are some of am not doubting that, but we cannot downplay the fact that us banding together. Not not I I really agree with what you said earlier about we all got to just get along is is some bullshit, right? Like we're we're just not going to get along. Not only are we all human, but a whole bunch of us, not all of us, but a a bunch of us are at a minimum want to be alpha males. You know, even if we're not alpha males, we want to be right. We're we're not going to get along. We're going to argue. We're going to bang heads. We do have to have the ability, though, to come together for a thing, right? To come to come together to come together for a thing. I mean, we won World War II with the Russians and we've hated them every single day since, but they were on our side in the thing, right? We came together to beat a worse cause. Um, and part of that coming together is is contacting your legislators who there's nothing more important to them in their job than a vote. They don't care about my vote, but they care about everybody in Fremont County, Colorado, that that hunts vote. That's a lot of votes. Um, and we hunt different things. And some of us hunt these and we don't other people don't like us for hunting them and this and that. and We don't all get along, um, but we can come together and make a difference.
3: So if you had to take the temperature and I'll ask you to this of. You know we've been fighting we as hunters have been fighting h s u s or PETA, whoever you want whatever you want to call it for as long as they've been around i guess so if you had to take the temperature of who's winning the fight right now you know or have we progressively have we progressively banded together more or is it worse now than it's ever been
2: I would say that they cody i i, I obviously get your opinion after this, but I would say that they are very uh, we're seeing the fruits of their coordinated attacks right now. We're seeing the fruits of the sort of years that we haven't really been paying attention and them sort of puzzle piecing things together across the country. But in the same breath, I'm going to say that we're winning. In the same breath, I will say that We've seen already this year some plus ones in the W column for us. I think Washington Spring Bear being able to bring that back um, in just a first step with a petition, not that it's back. Okay, Don't get me wrong here. But the fact that we got four to three back to accept the petition to potentially have a rulemaking process for the Spring Black Bear season in 2022 that we, that we thought was gone is massive. The hunt guidelines issue in Arizona, that the commissioners now have a slew of comments that have come in because of hunters paying attention. The fact that three of the four sponsors in Colorado have disappeared, have, have retracted their sponsorships, to me, means that we are, i guess I guess the idea that we're winning, no. But have we chalked up some plus ones in our column? That we've never really ever had before, New Hampshire eighteen to one, my gut is saying that there has been a little bit of a pendulum swing. I'm not going to get uber excited
1: about it, but there certainly has been a bit of a shift. What do you think, Cody? I think we're winning, I think we're winning i and now I think it just goes like this and 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 the fact of the matter is this is an this is an audio podcast. Oh yeah, I just Nobody did this, I did this really hand. cool I did this really cool dipping dolphin hand waving thing on the screen right there. Sorry. I think it just goes up and down, right? Um, but I'll tell you this that that I'm I'm a in no way a naive patriot. Um, I, I recognize the many many problems that the United States has, but I still always believe that the good guy the good team I won't even say the good guy because it's so generational sometimes that there are people that live their whole lives getting our, getting our teeth kicked in on whichever side they're on. The good team always wins in the United States. And I firmly believe that, um, even when the good team sometimes gets their ass kicked and things look miserable and it can be 10, 15, 20 years of crap going wrong, um, and I don't, I don't think that we're the good team because I'm on the team. I think we're the team that's right with science and facts and data and actually saving wildlife and habitat and ecosystems. That's what gives me faith. At the same time, there will be no end, right? If if we want sure. our grandchildren to be successful hunters, we also need to teach them how to successfully fight for the right to hunt. Because it's not like we're going to, it's not like we're going to pull some shit off and in 2028, we're going to be like, we did it guys. We, we could stop. We we can stop Indeed. fighting for that. That's not a thing, right? It's not a, it's not a thing with any form of freedom in the world ever that you just have it. And then you can quit worrying about having to ever fight for it again. But I do see, um, like what's a loss in the last six months, New Jersey bear hunting, um, there, there's a, been a lot more wins.
2: We lost the Spring Bay Black Bay season, but we got it back. There, 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 we got at least a portion of it back. There's
1: been a lot more wins in the actual in the actual arena battle. Now it looks scary because we're getting attacked a lot, right? If I can, I can use more war metaphors here, the enemy is definitely launching a lot of attacks at us right now. Um, but we're kind of and, and and again, there's in no way am I being naive, or in no way am I being overly optimistic. We're we're, we're winning them. Um, part of the reason we're winning them to put a silver lining on some serious bullshit is COVID. There's a there's a whole bunch of people who weren't thinking about these things, um, who did a little bear hunting in Washington last year and got involved and, and made the voices bigger. Right. I think.
3: I think I, I want to kind of answer my own question if we're winning or not. I think we're definitely winning, um, you know, and I also agree that the fight's going to continue, but I think we're more impactful now than we've ever been uh, mainly because of the meat eaters and the Joe Rogans and Matt Ranella himself, you know, just, just the fact that that was, there was all that going around created a buzz and, and brought attention to it. And as I said, you know, as we're aging out, social media has changed that we're not aging out now because the 14 year olds are on Instagram and they're they're following Blood Origins and they're following Meat Eater and they're following and they may not even be participating. So I kind of like and I've jotted all this down and I've come full circle. You know, I have these little ears drawn off of my circle where I can shoot holes in my own theories. But what I'm seeing happening is when I talk about the aging out and I talk about how impactful we become, and it's a little bit of a double-edged sword with the social media because the antis or whoever, they also have social media as well and they can spread their message as strong as we can. But it's almost like, and I, I wrote this, it's almost like, especially with the young people uh, and it kind of goes supports what matt ranella was saying it i think the 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 hunting of the west it's very uh uh it's it's the hip thing to do now amongst a lot of the young people you know i have a buddy that lives in missoula and he said everyone you know everybody has a toyota tacoma with a fishing rod holder on the top of it now type of deal it's really cool to do so And I I have another friend of mine that's a guide in Montana and he swears that some of the young people that come through uh, his archery camp in uh, September and October, they really, uh, it's cool one way and it's it's weird the other way, but it's not about killing an animal. They just want the experience. So Mm. you're seeing a lot of these young people follow and engage and listen and they may not even be hunting as like you and I do, or like Cody, you know, moves to Colorado and Robbie, you do everything you do in, in our age demographic who grew up without social media. So we didn't have those endorphins going off in our head because we weren't watching it anywhere. I mean, hell, we were hunting, you know, we're all about the same age, even before the outdoor channel. So the only form of social media we had was the hunting magazines, the film streams, the outdoor lives, the sports, of fields, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So now some of these young people are getting their fix or their feel through an Instagram post and they're becoming engaged through a meat eater or a blood origins podcast and they're becoming involved uh, because they'd like to be involved. There's a lot of research that shows that especially in the nonprofit world, a lot of, a lot of these younger people would rather donate money, give you money to be involved than actually go out and do the work, right? That that's how they do their part. So I think, when one of my arguments is, do we really need more hunters or we do we, uh, to Cody's point, just need to keep educating the people that are out there, the people that are okay with hunting, keep them engaged, keep feeding them this positive content, keep showing them the fights. And I think as we go, yeah, we still may age out of people actively participating in hunting, but there's going to be that whole trail behind us of people that... They're cool with it, watching it on Instagram. Does that make any sense at all?
2: No, for sure.
3: I was expecting more of a reaction. Cody? No, it, it makes sense. It makes <laughs> no,
1: it is. It makes sense. It's just it, – it... it makes sense except Go I ahead, think Cody. you talked yourself in a circle, right? Right. I did? Well, Wait.
2: he drew the circle and then shot holes in his circle. Well, I know, but I around. mean –
1: I feel like when I kind of hinted in, I don't want to be, I think our efforts that are, I I think the R in recruit should be changed to an E for educate the public, right? I don't think a mission of ours should be to get more hunters. I think a mission of ours should be to educate people in a way that makes them understand and respect hunting and leads to some of them maybe trying it. And I know that's semantics. And I know it's like, a slight divergence, but I do think that it's important that, that I say that I feel that way. I don't know if it's fucking important or not, but I, I I feel that way. I feel like when I said that you, you not argued, but you pushed back a little bit and then came back around to that. Um, I think there's a lot of hunters in the field. And I think if we have a simplistic mission of recruiting more hunters that you're gonna get pushback, you're gonna end up with people who are not in it for reasons or justifications that some people agree with, right or wrong. Um, and I I think that that our sole focus as far as outreach and messaging outside of our own echo chamber. I don't care if you want to argue 65 Creedmoor to 308 to 7 mm with me. That's that's fine. Argue all you want. But outside of our echo chamber, I think our messaging should be to convey the truth, to tell people what hunting has accomplished, what hunting really does and what hunters are actually like. Um and from there, I think it's just like I said this for 20 years. But the way a politician could actually win a debate and literally the world is starving for facts now, more so than ever. The internet has made us want the truth. The best way for a politician to win a debate is for the crowd to convince him that he knows what he's doing and not to attack the other side. There's just, it's, it's semantics, but that positivity of saying, look, here's who we are, here's what we do, here's how the wildlife benefits, it's all facts, it's not emotions, it's, it's real, um, would be the single best message that everyone involved in the hunting community could send out. Now, Johnny Morris's chief marketing officer is not going to agree with me. He's like, we got to get more people, we got to get more people, we got to get more people. Um, and more power to him, I, I, I don't argue with him. I don't think state agencies should be focusing agency dollars with that mindset. Just just so that we are clear
2: here, Cody has a very distinct opinion. My opinion is different of Cody's, and that's what makes Blood Origins so good, is that I agree with the education. Obviously, I agree with the education, because that is what Blood Origins is all about, However, I do know to the stats that Ryan provided and the baby boomers that are leaving hunting that we have to recruit hunters. We have to bring in new hunters. Otherwise, the idea that uh, we will stick around because there are going to be certain people that decide that they like to hunt and come into it naturally I think it's going to be a declining trend over time, and we will see our numbers dwindle to almost nothing. so I think, I think almost that there, nothing I think that if you had zero recruitment, no effort in recruiting. But
3: when you say zero recruitment, let me stop you there. Do you mean like zero recruitment to somebody that's not introduced to hunting like that would never come across it, or because I think organically. I mean I have children who will likely hunt and so do so does Cody so I mean there's going to be a, an organic influx of hunters on its own I think I agree with you you're going to like That's a very small
2: it. sector of the population given the fact that we are seeing a more urbanized population and a lot of these people that are boomers not the three of us but a lot of these populations that have kids that now live in New York. That used to hunt, or I still hunt. Their kids don't hunt anymore, and so they're not going to get
1: replaced. Hold on, I haven't been very clear about one thing, and it just dawned on me. I'm talking strictly about government dollars and agency funding. I'm talking strictly about agency dollars and government funding. Shouldn't go towards recruiting. That's my my, my apologies on that. Um. So you're good with NGOs? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I, I I think that's a good thing. I think that's, I think, uh, raise them outdoors is a phenomenal, a phenomenal, phenomenal thing that's happening there. Um, I don't think that, that agency dollars and tax and, and or tax dollars should be going towards it. Um, what state agency uses tax dollars? Oh, there's an, I don't, there's a, ta- no, well, that's why I said agency dollars or tax dollars. Uh, but uh, there's a ton of agencies that have R3 programs. Um, sure. But I didn't know if they were funded, the taxpayer. No, that's, that's why I said agency dollars and or tax dollars. Um, the and or would be, I don't think any government agency should be spending their money trying to recruit hunters. Um, I think they should be. I think those people in Colorado, Colorado has the Colorado Wildlife Council um they have i believe a 3 million dollar budget that is dedicated to informing the non hunting public of non consumptive the non hunting and fishing and trapping public into the value of those three things i like that expenditure right there i don't like cpw having an r3 program
2: that so cody you um Earlier this week, you said to me, Robbie, hey, you know, we need to, uh, like, limit discussions on the roundups because we have to, like, talk about the articles. Right. Yeah, we
1: did none of them. Right. It went the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah, we failed miserably.
3: I was ready for the article, though. I, I researched. One of them was in my wheelhouse. You had Pennsylvania well, let's go Black to your
2: wheelhouse. Let's do let's it. do one. Let's do one. Come on. Let's do your yeah, wheelhouse. Yeah,
3: Pennsylvania Black Bears.
2: What's going on in Pennsylvania and Black Bears? Tell us, Ryan.
3: Pennsylvania has some of the biggest black bears in the country. Bigger Um, than North Carolina? As big as North Carolina. So I just read in that article you shared uh, in the last, since 2011, there were seven killed over 800 pounds.
2: Holy smokes. Yeah. So we have big, big,
3: giant black bears. So we don't kill a lot. We kill somewhere around, you know, between three and 4,000. 4,000 is high. So around 3,500. But. It's a really cool. You know, everybody heads to camp. Bear season's cool. Two hundred and some thousand hunters. Yeah, used to be just three days: uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, prior to Thanksgiving. But they've been extending it because black bears have becoming more and more urbanized, moving around and hanging out in suburbs and suburbs and stuff. So they've extended it in those areas through the two week gun season. But uh, yeah, PA black bears, man, they're uh, you know, so you're not allowed to bait. You're not allowed to use dogs. And you're basically hunting an animal that roams constantly, completely on luck. Like, you just
2: got to And gotta they go still out. kill almost. Hold on. Four Robbie, almost
1: 5,000 bears. Robbie, you haven't read, have you read the article? Yeah. Did you see how many bear tags they sell? Yeah, 200,000. 200,000. 200,000 200,
2: yeah. of them. Hold on. Let's do the math quickly.
1: Go for Let's one. do the math. Two percent. Yeah. So two percent success rate.
2: That, no.
3: Yeah, and it's more of a social thing. Back to that social thing. It's we, we all head to camp again, and uh, you know you hang out in camp.
2: Two point five percent, Cody. Two point five percent
3: success rate. Well, I can tell you this: I've been hunting Pennsylvania black bears my whole
2: life, and I have yet to kill one. Dude, the, the fact that the heaviest bear was 875 pounds. Rob, yeah. Robbie
1: was in bear camp with me one time when I killed one. That, it wasn't quite that big, but it was close. I
2: think I'm going to Pennsylvania. I may have a better chance in Pennsylvania than killing a black bear in Maine. The bear
1: I the I, bear seen... I killed in Maine, uh, one of the guys that came in to pick me up threw it over his shoulder. It was not 875 pounds. It was, oh, it was too heavy for him to walk all the way to the truck without resting once.
2: Right. My gosh, man. And and the other thing that's quite impressive is that um bears were taking out of fifty fifty nine of the sixty seven counties in Pennsylvania. So they are very ubiquitous in the Pennsylvania landscape.
3: Yeah, bears they're they're everywhere, man. They've uh, when I was a kid they were more of the mountainous regions where I grew up, but and I don't even I don't live in the mountains anymore and we have bears right here at our place. So
2: yeah, they What is the uh human wildlife conflict? Is the is there a big human wildlife conflict or not really big i mean there? they disrupt
3: like the garbage man type of deal you know they're in, in and out of garbage but not uh like it bears pennsylvania is a unique state especially from the east side to the west side but you know you don't have a whole lot of uh disruption as far as people not like in new jersey with the bear hunt you know you don't see that in pennsylvania i mean we sell like you say two hundred thousand tags and it's a big deal, it's Amazing. Man. Bear season's fun. Hey, what's
1: a resident bear tag cost? Oh, maybe ten bucks.
2: That's still two million dollars.
1: Yeah, it might be a little more than ten well, bucks, maybe twelve. More, it's not more, expensive. More importantly, so so if you sell two hundred thousand, kill four thousand bears, one hundred and ninety six thousand people gave that ten bucks, and got and yeah, got two point. $2 million, $2.3 million. Yeah, but 1.96 million of it got nothing in return. Right? That's just a, that's a, and you got to know, right? I mean, with a, with a 2.5% success rate, you are really not expecting to get a bear to here. kill. No, right. it's like when you go to camp, you know, at our old camp, we'd have
3: 20, 25 guys. And if we killed one, everybody it was like a team group effort you know it was uh you just wanted to be part of it man it was cool
2: ryan do you go specifically bear hunting or is it you're in deer season and you just have a bear tag
3: no it's specifically bear season spring Uh, bears no it's the fall it's in it's in november yeah right right uh the week before the three days before thanksgiving monday tuesday wednesday is the bear season Oh,
2: so it's a three-day bear season.
3: used uh, that was traditionally so. Now it's three days and then
2: the Saturday. That's another thing, there, Cody. It's only three days, so people like are even. That's even small. <laughs> like let me, wise. let
3: me, let me. You'll get some Pennsylvania residents to clarify. So this is I'm speaking old term. So as I said, as the Bears have moved, moved around, some of the WMUs, the management units um where they're more urbanized they do allow those hunters to hunt them you get the three days then you get the saturday and that's the opening day of gun pennsylvania deer season and then it is concurrent now in my wmu it's not that
1: way uh but in some wmus it is that way
2: gotcha.
1: it's, it's but- $6.97 too by the way uh, oh take it my- to 3.4 million almost in 6.97 times 205
2: thousand Three point five mil. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, that that's that to me,
2: honestly. We need to build an infographic on that. right. No, exactly. what, what How
3: does that? How does that compare to other states? I've never even thought yeah. about it.
2: It doesn't. There's no comparison. <laughs> you, as far as money or for two and a half percent chance of killing in something. Colorado,
1: the taxes on your bear tag is more than that, right? I I think my bear tag, I think my resident. So we can only buy a, a private land only over the counter. Um, so we can't hunt public land on the, you you could draw for public land, but I I can buy a private land only over the counter and I believe it's 42. And I'm limited to just private land, just in my, uh, game management unit. So
3: how many tags do you sell? Oh, is is Colorado? Colorado. That I don't know.
2: Yeah, I I really don't know that. I'm just curious. Cody, how much is a a non-resident license? Because there were um, almost ten thousand non-resident licenses sold.
1: Oh, a non-resident PA. Yeah. You guys got me googling all kinds of shit. Now you got me wondering because
2: there were two thousand five hundred eight hundred and twelve resident tags. Oh, well, see,
1: okay. Wait, okay. Never mind. In a year a year from now, after I hunt Pennsylvania, we're gonna to talk to Pennsylvania about their pricing. Uh thirty six ninety seven. Okay. That's the that's got to be the cheapest big game non resident tag in the United States. Sixteen eighty seven for the resident. Sixteen ninety seven, yeah.
2: Ninety-seven. Well, geez, what a way to end a freaking roundup right there, man. Right. My favorite animal in the whole wide world that will not allow me to kill it. Black bear. Robbie's 0
1: for 67 on black
2: bear Hunt. (laughs) I'm I'm 1
3: for about 125.
2: Hey, listen. Yeah, I should be a Pennsylvanian, Cody, based
1: on these statistics. (laughs) Nope. Yeah,
3: you're
1: a native. (laughs) Pennsylvanians kill a bear every once in a while, though, Robbie. Um, Robbie's Robbie's also going with outfitters in states where the rules are a little different, right? Like the success rate in Maine over bait is much higher than 2.5%. For Robbie Kroger, it's 2.5%. No, for Robbie Kroger, it's a giant goose egg. That is true. Zero (laughs) percent.
2: Ryan Furra, we are so happy that you joined us for the roundup. We enjoy strong, straightforward discussions and conversations, and you certainly brought that to bear today, my friend.
3: Well, I appreciate you having me on. It was my pleasure.
1: Thanks. For when me. you're
3: in Pennsylvania, you guys got to look me up.
1: Yeah. Now that I know a bear, we'll do Now it. that I know a bear tag is thirty six dollars for me in Pennsylvania. That, that looks to me like you have plenty of space right there behind me for me in a sleeping bag. I'll see you next year. I've got, I've got
3: plenty of space, no doubt. All right, Ryan. We enjoyed All it. All right. We'll see you guys.
2: Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.